Hey everyone, it's Carol. This week's podcast was recorded live at The Crown in Oakland, California on December 14th. Giant thank you to Richard Sandlin and The Crown for having us, and humongous thank you to those who were able to make it out and be there in person. We really appreciated your presence. We also really loved your questions. As you will all see, they ask some great questions. So enjoy the show. Also, be sure to check out our newest Cat and Cloud culture video up on the Cat and Cloud YouTube channel. I will throw a link in the show notes for you. And that's it. Enjoy. The Cat and Cloud podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess no matter where you are. All you have to do is add hot water. Each steep pack is individually sealed in nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh, and it's got this special immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue, no staples, so there's no weird stuff floating around in your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable, and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on Steeped Coffee at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying Steeped or having your favorite roaster reach out and get in touch. If you happen to be in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry and make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. How about a round of applause for Cat and Cloud here at The Crown, y'all? No, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I said, how about a round of applause for Cat and Cloud, please, here at the crowd, y'all. Wow. Richard's move right there. Wow. You should warm up warm up crowds for a living. Are you three embarrassed? No, nah, man. I embarrass you? you? Oh. Borderline impossible. Uh, no icebreakers. No. But <laughs> I want to introduce these three folks. Probably y'all don't need any introduction to the three of them. But if you aren't familiar with Cat and Cloud, not only do they run one of the most progressive high-quality focus roasting companies based out of Santa Cruz in California, in the United States, maybe in the world. They also run maybe the single most important podcast for coffee education. For the past four and a half years, these three have really trailblazed in our industry, not only just in their careers leading up to this point, but they have provided radical transparency for our industry, the industry that all of us here participate in, for us to learn, grow, and share. I haven't shared this with the three of you, but I wanted to really thank you, all three of you, Jared Truby, Chris Baca, Chuck, Chuck uh, Charles Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Jack, where Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Jack. For all that you've done for our industry and providing radical transparency for all of us to grow, all of us to really make this industry better. And I wanted to thank you three, and hopefully we can get a round of applause wow. for the three of them. Did you Dude, practice thank that? You. Wow. Jeez. Uh, that was a lot to swallow. Thank you. Too kind. Really, though, that was, I don't, yeah, good. that was pretty nice. Does that go right there? Is That's that, it. We've been, we've been we're started. In it. We're, we're in done. It. Thanks for coming. In My introduction's heart. done. Thank you all for coming. We're going to do today in three parts. We're going to do part one is going to be a live Cat and Cloud podcast, which is going to be a lot of fun. They're going to do their thing up here. Part two, we'll take a, a quick 30-minute recess to get some food with the Damo, amazing empanadas. And then part three, I'm going to interview these three and tell 
the cat and cloud story. Mm. Which I think is going to be a lot of fun. So thank mm. you all. We're also going to have time for q and I'll pass it around the wireless mic as needed. Thank you, everyone, for coming. And y'all, do your thing. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for coming. It's kind of leading up to the holiday season. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got a lot going on. So appreciate you coming to spend some time with us. That's, that's really, really, really rad. Um, this year has been really interesting for us. It's been maybe one of the trickiest years ever in our business. It's been kind of stressful. There's been a lot of interesting things going on. So we just thought we kind of unpack that a little bit, starting at the beginning and kind of looking at what did we set out to build? What were some of the goals in mind when we started the business? And how have those changed and progressed and some of the things that we've gone through and trying to get to those goals? And the goal behind this is if you own a business or if you manage people, maybe you can relate to some of this. If you're an employee somewhere, maybe it'll give you a little bit of insight and hopefully kind of building that bridge of empathy between employers and employees because we think that's really important to a healthy workspace. Yeah. The latency is crazy. The progression has been long. Yeah, we've gone a long way, and Dude. we started off real hot. So I have a question before. Do we want to allow people to ask questions as we're going? Because I feel like we're pretty good on tangents and things. We're always good on tangents. I, I think that's great. Let's the just play group, it hot and loose. The group right? is really intimate, so if you all have questions, just like, yeah. It's probably even just a hand. I mean, throw throw a hand a up. Mic, right? We might not even need a mic. Do we even need a mic? Uh, we, well, we do for the uh, podcast, right. yeah. everybody. because oh, so we got to record it. Because of the recording. It's yeah, weird because you can hear my voice and then I can hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> but it might be cool from like an interactive point of view just for people to be able to yeah. ask questions like as we're going. Sick. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Cool. So where do we start? Back uh, in time? Back, back in, in the time. beginning? <laughs> All right. Well, here's, I mean, the simplest stuff. Some of you heard it or not, but we wanted to open a company where we could find a way for people to have longevity in the coffee industry. We had come from places where we had a lot of progression, but we found ourselves stunted. And so we took a lot of time prior to opening, talked a ton about that. And some of the simplest stuff that we decided on were like things you've probably heard in our podcast. First of all, just raise your hand if you've heard our podcast before. Most everybody, that's great. And for those who haven't, awesome. But so to not beat a dead horse, uh, for all you who've heard it, you know, we wanted to open with a strong mission and strong values to support our growth and the ability to do so. And then we had to come up with an operating plan. And some of these things, um, that was essentially the biggest amount of work we did prior to opening was how are we going to, s to have a business that provided what we never got in a way? And how are we going to create that business in at the time and probably still what is the third most expensive city to live in the United States, bummer, and allow people to feel like they can grow with us because we knew a strong culture is really the only thing that makes a business special and people are the only thing that make a culture. So you kind of had this problem to solve from the very beginning that we were very excited to do. And what we did essentially is set up kind of an operating idea of what we were willing to set aside that would not be solely for the three owners to win because owners always win, right? According to 
businesses that are successful, the owners look cool, they get the cool cars, they do the cool stuff, and everybody gets to be like, those are the cool owners, I just work here. And we didn't want it to feel like that in the most simple way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you think about what it means to have, like, a livelihood in the industry and getting people to, I don't know, maybe, like, full-time positions outside of the cafe if there's something they're passionate about doing, whether it's, like, marketing or admin or finance or wholesale. And so looking at the very beginning, like, what kind of growth is it going to take to reverse engineer people having these livelihoods? Um, And then it might be kind of hard and it might be kind of fast in the beginning, but that's what's going to help our ability to be able to pay people and people to be able to stay and like build a future with us. Yeah. So we had a few benchmarks early on. Um, one of those benchmarks was we, we do a lot of different things as a company, but at our core, we had all come from a, a coffee background. So we knew right away, yeah, we're going to have coffee retail stores. And the original kind of operating plan that we sunk our teeth into was if we could open three cafes in five years, that would be a decent sized company that would provide enough revenue to where we could employ people at the rates that we wanted to and provide enough headroom for people who were growing into new positions to kind of take on new challenges and take on more pay and more just kind of be in that excitement of a growing business. So that was kind of, that was one arm of it. The second arm of it was we knew we wanted to provide some sort of employee equity. So Charles did a talk at SCA the other year Um, and the kind of the thesis of the whole thing is that one of the keys to people in the coffee industry making a living wage is some sort of employee ownership. So we knew we had this pie of, we own this company. How do we divvy that pie up to allow some to be passed on to people who work for us? Um, no, yeah, I agree uh, with that obviously, but the other part that's fun too is how do we allow space in that pie to grow independently and retain our ownership and ability to make decisions as we grow instead of taking potentially on a ton of investment and losing that. And then the other part is the three stores actually allowed us to even be able to stay in Santa Cruz too, which was at a one store or even two stores, we would have basically cashed capped ourselves out of being able to to pay rent in Santa Cruz as well. So it was kind of like a we have to get here in order to stay here, which was kind of gnarly to start. Right? Yeah, it's scary and weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean and annoying. I mean California is annoying. I love California, but it's so fucking annoying. It's just like how do you live in California? I'm still trying to figure that out. It's just like stupid. It's dumb. And then everybody, there's some of our employees here now. And I, it's like, dude, you guys are troopers, like straight up troopers. It sucks. Super like, troopers. You know, like uh, Christopher, who's the new cat who's working in the roastery now. He's come yeah. from Sacramento, I think. Yeah. And he's just trying to find a place to live. And I'm just like, dude, fucking pray to God that you find something. I don't know. Um, yeah, because I mean, the reality <laughs> is like we also have like like Bryn who tried and it was hard and she's heading back to like more central California. And it's like, we have that too, where people come to Santa Cruz and try and it doesn't always work out. So that's hard for us as well. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like, take, uh, let's say the operating plan, the three and five years and, or the, the pie of ownership and just kind of dissect how those things played out in real time and changes that we've made. And so I think the cool part that's, stayed the same consistently at this point is the pie. The pie has stayed the same since we opened the company. The pie has stayed the same. Which do you great. want to explain the pie? So yeah, what we wanted to do is 
you know, you open up a company with three owners, a hundred percent, you split that up. So what do you got? 33.333999 forever, right? <laughs> with a little bar over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So you got the bar. And we were like, okay, well, if we all were to take about 15% of this company to set aside for employee ownership, you know, we would subtract X amount per, you can do the math. I think that's about five if I were to do this per, per properly. Good math. Thank you, finance guy. <laughs> Fucking genius over here. And then we needed to put money on the side. So we, we fund through SBA loans, but in order to get an SBA loan, you have to put a certain amount of cash down. And that cash typically for the amount we're doing is around 50 grand. And so we're like, well, uh, we had seen in structures and learning and Charles through all of his business genius Ness and finance world that we didn't want to give away too much equity, but we wanted to be able to grow. And so we were like, well, let's put about up to up to 7% equity available and offer it at people 1% 50 grand to essentially fund our SBA loans. Yeah. And so we set off ready to do that. And the first person we asked is actually an old friend of ours. And it, this is kind of rad. Everything's kind of been serendipitous in its own way, but we get our first location kind of in a miracle, like, snap of the fingers call a guy because we couldn't find locations we had left a pretty prominent santa cruz company in verve and everybody was like well we're not going to rent the verve guys another cafe and res retail space like they left the kick-ass company so i called the guy who does residential and i was like hey we're having a hard time getting commercial space and he's all well i just bought my first commercial building this time he's in san Luis. i'm in santa barbara he says if you can come up like tomorrow we have somebody who wants it, but I think you guys might be the right fit. And so this weird kind of stuff started happening. We, we go up there. We get it. It's a miracle. Then we're like, okay, cool. Now we got to get money and figure out how to do this. And then we're looking for contractors and things. And so it's like we call up this guy, Nico, who we used to serve coffee to for, I mean, for me, it was like, I worked at Verve for nearly, eight, like over seven years. So for all of that time, I'd been serving him coffee. And I was like, hey, man, we're going to need to do a build out. And he's, he's like, oh, I, I want to do your build out. You guys have killed it service. And then he ends up being one of our guys to invest that money to allow us to get an SBA loan. And he's been with us ever since in his little percentage of ownership. So has, where's he at right now? Like? Is it two? He's at one, one, point one and five. a half. He's at one and a half. He's one and a, he owns one and a half percent. He of owns us. one and a half percent of Cat and Cloud. And he also, we have this cool symbiotic relationship. He builds a great cafe. He gets work. He gets seen for building a cool cafe. He gets work. It's internal. It's external. It's a cool thing. So anyway, that's our pie, and that's how the investment began. So the, the, there's the whole pie. 7% is available for that equity investment, so we can raise money based on that 7%. So if someone wants to buy into Cat and Cloud, basically, they can buy in up to 7%. That's all that's available. And then there's a percentage of the pie that's also set aside for employee ownership, and that is four? Yeah, that's the 15. 15. And then the rest of it is split up amongst us. Um, Specifically so that two of us can always vote in the majority. Yeah. yeah. And, and the equity that's raised externally, the, that 7%, that's non-voting ownership. So really that's designed to be people who are in like an awesome financial position and just believe in what we want to do and are kind of backing in it. Like financially for them, it's a good return on investment. Definitely. But it's long. Yeah, but it's it's a longer term, so it's not like a get rich quick. Like, oh, I'm gonna really cash in on this company. It's it's built for people who believe in what we do, and that is one interesting point of the pie, which we've been kind of talking about lately. Is that if I had to travel back in time, 
to the beginning. In the beginning, personally, I was kind of protective over that 7%, like super, super protective. It's like so-and-so is thinking about buying. I'm like, fuck that guy, dude. I don't want to <laughs> fucking talk to that guy. Just, I mean, in hindsight, it's also been, I mean, I know where you're going, but it's also been good, I think, to have somebody who's super protective of it. Yeah, no, it's, it, it serves a function, but I tend to be like a little extreme. But one of the things that we've run into over the past few years is we've had quite a few more cash crunches than we maybe needed to. Yeah. And looking back on it, I think getting in and exploring some of that equity investment a little earlier on and kind of going to people who we know and trust and pitching some of that stuff could have leveraged our position a little bit better, which is kind of what we're doing now. We yeah. have yeah. three, and, three a and a half percent left of that pie. And one of the big plans for next year is to actively try to max out that pie. And and when we're talking maxing rhyme, out that pie, it's, it's not just like anybody you know like oh anybody wants to give us money it's good like it's still protected it's still got to be a values fit and it's still got to be someone who you know who fits in with the culture but there's like a ton of value in having a little bit of cash flexibility there's a lot of value in not stressing as hard as we have this last year you know i gotta tell you dude you've come a long way from not sharing jerky to uh sharing your company oh yeah i don't share food (laughs) he used to never (laughs) no he does share he does share food a little bit a little bit this is what i'm saying i mean don't touch my jerk we have grown a lot i don't trust people okay (laughs) (laughs) they're always out to get me lucky charms hi mom thank you for that (laughs) Chris's mom and dad are My here mom also. lost all faith in humanity, but I'm I'm working on it slowly <laughs> and steadily. <laughs> and, uh, dude, and I'll just throw in on the pie when we looked at like 7% kind of seems like a random number, but that's kind of the percentage that we thought would get us through the operating plan we had into like a sustainable cash position to essentially not need to raise more money to open additional stores. Yeah, the key is to become liquid, which is... Uh, I mean, it's a kick-ass goal. Everybody should try that in your life, too. I'm a (laughs) big proponent. Pay off your debt. Get liquid. Let's do this thing. Get liquid. Get liquid. And so we did. We opened a cafe. Kick gas. It was great. It was fun. It was hard. And I mean, just to jump, just so you know where we're at now, we're at 65 team members. We've opened a cafe like six months ago. Sure. Ish. Whatever. June June 11th. It just keeps happening. June 11th, the day before my anniversary. Never forget. Okay. Then we're going to go to our fourth cafe and then slightly more ambitious like breakfast amalgamation restauranty cafe thing is slotted to open like in the next two to three months and so um we have gone a long way in under four years and as you may have heard that's four we said three in five. We're doing four and three, and our math's not really adding up. And <laughs> four, <laughs> four plus. And then we ocean. Yeah, and yeah, Ocean Street's a, a little half. Four and a half. Um, yeah. We have a half a cafe. Yeah. So we have a half calf situation half-calf. that's been Just fantastic yeah. for us. <laughs> it's really Nothing just like a half a bridging cafe. the gap for the uh, county building members and the people who will be going to jail. They get our coffee, yeah. and we leave them happier than yeah. we found them. But, dude, I mean, I think, right, as you're getting to it, it's one of the things that we, looking back now and sitting back and looking at what's been challenging this year, is the fact that we signed essentially two leases at the same time. Same time. And we talk about, we didn't really bring the rest of our team into that. And I think that's one of the big learning experiences from this year is, man, as you're opening two cafes within six months, you're going to lean a lot on the rest of the leaders in your organization. And we've asked a lot of them. And... Um, and it's been really stressful to the point where we kind of, you know, had to talk about like, how do we move forward in in a better way going forward? And part of that's bringing in the rest of the people in the company that, that aren't owners, but just 
other team leaders, you know, we're going to be pulling people from their cafe to open new cafes. They're going to have to spend a ton of time training new people. It's going to change the culture of the cafe. It's a lot of work on there. And so bringing them into the conversation when we're looking to sign a new lease, as well as, I mean, everyone else in the company too. So I think that's been like a big takeaway of what we'd like to do better next time. Yeah, I mean, every it's an interesting paradox because when you don't have mm. anything, no one wants to talk to you, right? <laughs> but if you can make one good thing, then all of a sudden everybody wants to be your friend. Yeah. So if if you have some sort of business that it's like a little bit viable, you know, we've had so many people approach us like, oh, I got a building. You guys should go in here. You guys need to go in here. You guys need to go in here, 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 here. And the desire to say yes to those things is is really high because even if it's not really right for us at that right time, even if it doesn't fit like where we want to go perfectly, like the growth can be too aggressive. It's really easy to rationalize the other side of that, like the benefits of the other side. It's like, we might not be ready for a new cafe right now, but if we had one, we could promote two people in the leadership we could bring more people into the organization the philosophy spread further we can generate more revenue everyone's pay goes up so you can really talk it's easy to talk yourself into doing things that seem good (laughs) even though they might be putting you in a pickle yeah well and especially when we've seen such success with growing the leaders especially early on so we're now we're at this place where we're at 65 plus team members and we are experiencing what it means to really teach leaders but we've had this core group of people that has been so influential through the first two cafes that uh i would say we became a little bit naive and felt kind of a a bit bulletproof in this process in that the talent and the ability even at like 60 percent of where these people are going to be in a few years is insanely high with our team like our right and left hands are i mean there's more than that but in the way I look at it, I have, I've had this uh, Tanner Kristen combination and they've been lifesavers for me, but that level between Alex and this opening group of people, we have what five or six of the nine are still with us from the opening team. And because of that, we've been able to lean on them and they've been so understanding of our cultural direction that it can, it can inflate our view of ourselves and our ability to do things and we have to remember oftentimes like we're all human beings and we burn out and we get tired. And if we're not doing an amazing job leading, it just starts trickling down. And so what we've seen in this year is a lot of big bites that have been hard to chew with less uh, ability to, to disseminate them through the whole company. For sure. And I think there's a big difference too between people who own the company and people who work at the company. Yeah. And if you're one of those business owner kind of people and you have a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit, like you would do anything at any cost, like the amount of nights, evenings and weekends that you would put in, you're like, yeah, this is just what I do. But to expect someone else to do that just because you're willing to it's do not it, fair. it's not fair yeah. because different people have different modes of operations and you you can't really ex- you just can't expect it. It's an unreasonable expectation, and it's not it's not healthy because the totally way yeah. you're gonna feel about it, like if you're feeling burned out, they're probably feeling ten times more time, burned out. Yeah. Multiply it by ten. They're like that much more stressed out, and I, that's like been a really important realization. Even in people who are just, you know, you take someone like Tanner who 
he was our first employee ever. He worked for free before we opened the cafe doing like ridiculous menial labor, writing like handwriting, coffee bag labels, uh, stuffing envelopes, like writing invoices, printing out stuff. Like we were driving to roast cause we used to roast offsite. Our friends let us roast there and my car broke down and he was like stickering bags in the backseat of the car. Like while we're stuck on the freeway, yeah, we were <laughs> waiting we for my friend to come pick us up. And you know, he did demo in the original cafe, never asked for anything. He's just like, I want to be a part of this. And even though that's so strong, like you can only push someone so much before they're like, dude, I feel kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard as you layer more, as you get bigger and you layer more and more things on it. It just gets exponentially harder for everybody. I'd say the, the thing that's the most surprising is the reality of in cafes, especially at the level we're expecting people to operate, but not only operate, understand what we're trying to do. And it's a really beautiful thing what we're trying to do in order to get that to truly sink in on like a, a visceral level <laughs> it's it takes so much time hearing from these mouths more than you might imagine so you have these great leaders who have been with us from the beginning and they can get this information in but there's something very special and we're in this in-between time where we're not big enough and we're not small enough so people still look to us for a lot and we love that but we're also three imperfect gentlemen up here <laughs> who can't nail it every time. And, and it's part of the biggest, hardest learning lesson for me most recently is how can I couch so many things that are dreams for a moment in order to help bridge this gap and help people to understand what they, they're trying to understand. They're here to learn why Cat and Cloud matters. And they get like 50% of it and kill it. But there's this other percentage that will allow them to actually love who they are in this job. And that's the part that makes the whole cat and cloud thing special is when people know that their work every day isn't I'm a menial barista or a concierge. I'm like the driver of this culture. And that to me has been one of the biggest struggles recently is how do we get that? Well, right, especially when you double, dude, it's like what, last 2017, we doubled, we doubled the size. And then this year we've doubled the size again. Right, so we've got 30 new team members in the last six months. We did not double our freshness or our fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that but with Element Gum. Yeah, thanks. Exactly. And then part of the part of the learning process for us is we've been on this pendulum swinging back and forth too. So a lot of the ideas that the company was originally uh, like brought into creation for revolve around having you know empathy like we know what it feels like to work at a job that sucks we know what it feels like to work for someone who doesn't give a shit about you it's it's lame you know but in the beginning that led us to be like a little bit overly um what's the right word do you want to say overly overly positive maybe overly empathetic, oh, empathetic or the word for uh, sure like we were we uh, almost okay we <laughs> we kind of crowdsourced a little bit too much from the employees i think we oh, were, i agree we would do anything to keep everyone quote unquote happy whatever happy meant so that it was all like sunshiny and rainbows and everything was great and it was all positive vibes and mm -hmm. what we noticed it was well people were happy for a little bit people weren't really experiencing a ton of growth yeah. they weren't learning a lot and then when we looked at the company in terms of where do we want the organization to be and its effect, like 
it wasn't really reaching there. We were simply just a cafe with some happy people in it. Um, and then we had a little bit of a swing probably a year ago where we started to try to, to ring that in a little bit. Be like, okay, this isn't really a democracy. Like we do have a really clear vision of the kind of world that we want to build and what it's going to take to get there. And a good portion of that, within the context of cultural values, there's going to be a lot of hard work and there's going to be a lot of hard conversations and a lot of, I hear you, this is why it can't work like that. I value your opinion, but we're going to move this way. Because if you're just a yes person, that's not really benefiting anybody who's working for you. Like it might feel good in the moment, but if you're looking, you know, one year, two years, three years down the line with our mission to leave people feeling happier, better off than we found them, you're not really equipping those people to do what they need to do in life. So we may be overcorrected in the sense of the last couple big things that we brought to the table, specifically the opening of the new store, we just kind of brought out of nowhere, be like, guess what? We're opening this on this date. How you like to fuck with that? Okay, go. <laughs> and it was, we weren't trying to be dicks about it. Like that wasn't no, that the was, intention. That was the subtitle or the, yeah, this, the, what do we call that? The abridged version. Yeah, that was the abridged version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't go down exactly like that, but it wasn't received as it, as well as it could have been. And looking back on it, we're looking at some of those things that you're talking about. It's like, oh, like maybe we're not crowdsourcing information from everybody, but just to be like, hey, with upper leadership or the group of four employee owners, here's what we're here's what we're gonna try to do. How does everybody feel about that? What are gonna what are what are some of the challenges gonna be for you going forward? And let's talk about that before we just tell everyone, here you go. Yeah, which which I think going forward we've set a better structure for that, like kind of you know, kind of committing to we did like an uh, kind of like a leadership offsite what like a few months ago where we really got into like a deeper conversation with some of the leaders and then committing to those kinds of offsites what two three two three four times a year to right. really have those conversations and to get away from work and, and we've committed to once a month conversations yeah, with them totally. too right. which is uh, as a whole but i wanted to talk a, just a hair more i mean the empathy portion of this is actually I think it's really real and it's really important. We want to, as an industry, right, empower our people, therefore hopefully progressing companies faster. But there is that point where you over-empower them or you overly allow them through empathy to direct things and it actually, everything kind of becomes convoluted. And so that's where it's really important to have a clear values, vision, and mission and continue to connect on those things because we did switch the idea of leave people happier than you found them for the team members who were like, well, I have to be happy all the time, right? Because that's what happy means. And we're like, no, like you're happiest when you're growing. You're happiest when you're challenged. You're happiest when you're led. And it's not about us necessarily leading you, but it's happy when we have a direction, when you feel like you're contributing as yourself as an individual. And so I just want to put that out there in that we were overly empathetic. However, there's something really powerful with having a clear enough vision and direction to trust your people. And that's where we do a good job, but we did it at such a level that we not necessarily walked away, but it's easy to kind of put this picture out there. It's like, if I trust you, you're good. So you got it. And then 
two years later, they got it, but True North is actually over here now. And so that's kind of, to me, another way to explain what we went through. And I think it's just important for me to say that because it is also what makes our company special is how much we want to lean into the individual's contribution and how they would contribute. They don't have to contribute exactly how Chris does or how I do or how Charles does or how any of them do. They need to contribute to the true north in the way that they would contribute. And that, to me, is like that perfect balance that we're looking to achieve in the future. Yeah, where they're like authentic to themselves. They're not trying to be something that they're not, but then we're still here to support and to guide. And specifically direct. Like yeah. that needs to be okay in a, in a company. It can't be like one of my biggest fears is that we have let the directing go so far away from us that people start looking outside of our company for direction. And th that hasn't happened yet, but I, I've seen it in other companies where like, well, they're doing it like this and it's really sick and they're doing it like that. And then you've missed the entire why and the entire alignment of what makes us us, even if the ideas are good. And that's to me the challenge and why it's so important to find this balance and why we're working really hard towards that. Yeah. And it's you in addition to trying to empower people as much as possible while still retaining our North Star, we're working culturally against a system that's basically setting people up since day one to not have those kinds of freedoms at work or not experience that kind of autonomy. So it's really challenging. Even when you give someone a really long leash, so to speak, a lot of times they don't know what to do with it. And in the beginning, we'd be really kind of frustrated in the sense of like, man, if I had that opportunity, I would do this and I would go here and we would do this. People are conditioned to just freeze because every job that they've had, someone has told them, no, 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 yeah. fuck you, no. And it's like embedded in like deep into the DNA of, of employees. And it, it really sucks. And that's been another challenge is, is like navigating through those like deep seated emotional, like it's like emotional scarring. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. seen a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, just to give people the platform within the structure to reinforce that there are things that they can drive and there are things that we want them to lead. Um, yeah. And just telling them over and over and over again so that they do believe that they can do it and take it on. Yeah. And what oh, you were smiling. Oh, I, I want to, I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, you're having a great time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> and honestly, the last, this whole experience, like since we started the company, but the last year and a half, especially has brought to me personally, like a whole different level of of empathy for people that I've worked for in the past. Like mm -hmm. I've always been a really opinionated person. I think things should be a certain way and I'm really unhappy when they don't go that way. And it's really easy. It was really easy for me as an employee to look at my bosses and point out everything that they're doing wrong be like, oh, we should be doing this like this. This is super fucked up. We got to do this like this. We got to do this like this. And I don't really understand the perspective of, of what's going on behind the scenes and not acknowledging the fact that your boss is just some fucking idiot who decided to start a business. Us included. Like, we don't have any formal training in this. There's not really a school for this. There's nowhere you can go before you decide to dip your toe in the water that's going to tell you, like, here's how you can be prepared to start your first business venture. It's something that you really have to learn by doing. And I would kind of be, it, it's kind of terrifying. Like, 
So I, I think there's a there's a few different people in the world, right? Like some people are just assholes and they don't care about other people. They're not self-aware. They're They're just, they're just like in it for themselves. And and then there's some people who really do care, but they don't know how to care. They're like incredibly stressed out, which is the first thing that I point to when people talk to me about their job experience and how, how shitty their boss is. And we, we dissect it a lot of times and it usually comes down to, they have one individual who's running the whole show there and I can imagine how underwater they might be feeling. And it's not an excuse. Like leadership is ultimately responsible for everything, but it is a level of understanding which like can help us in having the conversation between the two. Like, and I often think if I had to do this by myself, it would be insane slash impossible so that we have each other. We're, we're like a little bit ahead of the game that we have, we have someone to talk to. Yeah, and we kind of tried that a little bit in the middle of this year where where I had like 12 the direct best time. reports. <laughs> you had the best time. <laughs> yeah. Where we just try you know, where we tried a situation where essentially all the team leaders reported to me. So each store team leader along with team leaders of other departments and it's like that was me. I was just so stressed out all the time. I was so underwater. It was just too much, and you don't really understand. Because I'll, I'll just keep saying yes, and I'll keep taking things on, but to really understand being underwater like that on a daily basis, and, and it's just hard from like a, yeah, from like a daily stoke to come in and, and do everything. And compound that on top of, not to go too deep, but there were certain things that were going on in your personal life, yeah. which <laughs> we you know have the tendency to separate the business world from the personal world and feelings world, but th- it's the same world. Like yeah. you, your feelings live inside you. You yeah. can't really just check them at the door when you come to work. Like you have to act in a certain way to maintain that professionalism and, and show up in a good way, but they're still inside you. And that, that works with employees too. It's like, you know, if you have an employee who's like generally kicking ass and then they start not kicking ass and they're doing like the worst job ever, you know, the, the best first response is probably not to be like, Hey, you need to up these numbers. You haven't <laughs> been meeting your numbers. Like get these numbers up or we're going to have a talk about it. It's probably to go somewhere like, Hey, your, your numbers are down. Are, are you doing okay? What's going on? Is, is, is something going on? And, and owners have those things too. So yeah. you are overloaded in both capacities. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's something that's good to talk about just because I think as we've gotten into it more like, so I've got two daughters I've got Phoenix, who's like four and a half, and Lyric, who's eight months now. But eight months ago, so my wife had postpartum depression and anxiety, like super deep with our second child. And it's like, it's it's hard, like at home to work to work through that is really hard on her. Um, and it takes a lot of support from like family and stuff. And so, yeah, that's something that doesn't necessarily get talked a lot about. But it's like, again, it's like a big part of who you like, you know, totally are as a person and what you bring to work. And it's like that that counts too. And so I think, you know, how do you, how do you also incorporate that for team members, right? Like a conversation about that. Cause a lot of that stuff kind of, I don't know whether it gets checked at the door or not. It still influences things that are going on. Totally. It for sure does. I mean, yeah. there's so much importance in creating space and the challenge is how do you create that space while keeping the business running without taking like a ton of extra labor and money 
to throw at it. And that is honestly the challenge. I mean, the things that, right, to create the space to have the relationships with your team so that you can share appropriately what's going on in your life so that you can maybe get the help you need internally so that the team feels comfortable enough to share when your boss, the owner, asks you what's going on when they're not too afraid to be like, oh, my, they're actually mad about the numbers. And it's like, we're not mad, but we still have a power dynamic that is there no matter what anybody says. If I come in to say, hey, are you doing all right? They're going to be like, yeah, I'm good. And I'm like, cool. So how are you really doing? (laughs) And they'll be like, still good. Yeah, it takes like And then I'll be like, so like, okay, normally you act like this. Now you act like this. How are you doing? They're like, well, and then... (laughs) it's like kind of tough out there but i'm okay and like okay well here's what i'm really getting at like you are obviously not okay you don't have to tell me everything but things aren't seeming to go how they normally go with you so i want you to know that i'm here we're here if you're uncomfortable here's some other people to talk to in our company and i hope you know that we're not judging you individually only as your performance we're judging you as a human being that we care about how can we help you open up and really connect with this whole thing and be your best version of yourself? And there's a lot of stuff we do as a company, which I guess we could theoretically circle back to help offer people health, which is, is kind of a transition that works here. I didn't plan on it. But just and have different familiar. outlets, right? People Great can transition. have Tanner and HR or yes. another female or coworker Kristen and Kristen. Or Rachel yeah. or, you know, we have such amazing leaders, both all genders in our company, which is amazing, but it, it's who do you connect with and feel comfortable sharing with, you know, like, there's a girl, Sarah Shirley, who doesn't work for us anymore, who I happened to, she felt comfortable enough to share like some really hard stuff with me on a day where she was really sad. And then she wrote me a letter saying that was really meaningful. And I felt great as a boss to be able to just be a sounding board for somebody and help them go back into work feeling like somebody gave a shit about them. Um, so just to talk about our business more, we did start with the exception. We, I don't know if, know if you said profit sharing, you said team equity, but we started with a lot of baseline things to try to help with mental health because we also recognize that we weren't the most mentally healthy <laughs> in our other jobs <laughs> and in life. Yeah. We love therapy. I love therapy. I'm a um, train wreck. Yeah. But we, we did want to start our company with offering people the opportunity to take care of themselves. So for those who listen to the podcast, you probably know this, but we offer 10% profit sharing in retail for all retail employees. We we offer four weeks uh, paid vacation to full-time team members. But in order to get that four weeks, you have to actually take your first two weeks. So you get your four weeks throughout the year if you take your four weeks throughout the year and two weeks to the part-timers. And we offer health care. And that stuff, there's, there's even more than that. But we wanted to, this is stuff that we were intentional about, that we still like, the point to me is you can still set this stuff up. And to Chris's point, people are conditioned to, oftentimes not, not even yeah, take their vacation, not, take PTO. not relax, not, you know, uh, it's like there have been people who have been stressed out of their minds. And I'm like, well, if you talk to your team leader, you have four weeks of paid vacation. Did you know that you could work three day weeks for like two, three weeks maybe, and not even like have a hit to your paycheck if you plan that out? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, just cause it's four weeks doesn't mean you have to take four weeks in a row, you know, like you don't have to be gone for that long. You could take little mental health days planned and tell your team leader, like, I'm going to do this for myself. And, and even that, like thinking outside the box in with what you have is such a new, it's a newer idea. And I'm even thinking about this now than I have ever considered before. Cause I'm like, well, if I have it, I'm just going to figure out how to use it appropriately to other people. It's like, well, when am I going to take a week long vacation? Maybe I'll take a weekend sometime. 
and they never get through it. I mean, yeah. has anybody besides Cheryl's used their full four weeks? Alex goes pretty hard. Oh, Alex, Alex is done well. Good. Alex, Alex, done well. Alex, <laughs> Alex goes hard. Um, um, Brian does a pretty good job. Brian Bullardry. He's one of the newer ones. He moved yep. over from Mississippi. Yeah, and but yeah, but but majority not right. right? Has anybody do you think gone over two weeks? You mean like use their two weeks so they start? Yeah, has anybody got there yet? Yeah, with the exception few, of those few, just a few people that do it. It's not a regular sixty-five employees. People, I mean, not all of them have earned it all yet, but still, it's like I would wager. I know that I feel I have a hard time as the owner with a lot more ability to f- schedule free time for myself. When I'm gone, I end up feeling guilty, and I feel like people are going to think that I'm a slacker owner. That's definitely built into my DNA from the past and my own problems with other owners who I felt that way about. But at the same time, it's like if I have a hard time doing it, I can only imagine our team members. And so we just how much can you push it and help without, you know, like taking full responsibility for your team? I mean, right now it's interesting because can you imagine if someone tried to cash in two or weeks right now? I'd you, be excited, but I'd be scared. You'd No, they wouldn't even be able to do it. Mm. Like, it would be physically impossible. Like, we've asked a lot for everybody from right. everybody in the past, like, month or two. The schedule is so un- tight. unbelievably tight right. that, like, we haven't actually set up the scenario lately to where right. people would feel comfortable. Mm. So right. Yeah, that and was part and of you know what I'm saying? It's our fault for right. doing Aptos store totally. in June and then playing like a Swift store by like the end of November. Because even if we at the owner level were like, dude, you should totally take your vacation. That's great. They would be feeling the pinch and their team leader would be like, seriously, guys, fuck you. I'm <laughs> like, I can't even build a schedule and you're telling my people to take vacation. That's it's true. Chris has got somebody special to rap about, and then we're going to get right back to it. All right, you guys have that one friend who's totally off the rails. They're totally in the zone with coffee. All they're talking about is coffee processing. They're giving you different cups of coffee, like taste the fruit. They've got 15 different coffee subscriptions from all these fringe specialty roasters that you've never heard of. They're just playing with brewing methods at their house. They don't stop. Yeah, it's, it's a culture thing, and that culture exists in chai too santa cruz chai which is what we use at cat and cloud the tom who, who owns santa cruz, i'm laughing because it's freaking hilarious to me this guy comes in all the time with these different recipes he's continually just kind of exploring what would make good chai for a cafe and at first glance you're like eh, i don't know who needs that and guess what we need that because we run a business that sells people chai and we want to make people smile when they get that chai so even when i was in my super crazy coffee heavy phase and only wanted to care about coffee and would maybe laugh at someone who's doing r d on something like chai now i really really appreciate it and the chai is delicious he does this barista brew it's a three to one concentrate so you can basically make the chai like you would make a latte it's brewed here in santa cruz we've been using them since we've been open really good peeps really just good energy all around so if you need chai just to buy for yourself or if you need wholesale if you have a cafe and want to serve pretty much the most banging chai you can get you gotta mess with santa cruz chai there's gonna be a link in the description hit up our boy tom he wants to hear from you you know you want to make people happy it's easy easy win okay back to the podcast so there's all these, I mean, owning a business is pretty weird. It's, um, it's very strange. It's, it's interesting. And at the end of the day, like we're all really, really proud of 
what we've built, but we also know that in order to keep going in a positive direction and maintain the trajectory and like do what we want to do, it's important to unpack the things that we have done good and bad like yeah totally celebrate your wins that's like really really rad but when things don't go too well it sucks but you have to just like look at them like dead in the eye and be like all right like this is where we messed up but we're just going to use that to build some knowledge that when we go forward we're not going to make the same mistakes again and hopefully we can have a little more foresight and little bit better every time which is kind of the goal for next year right is like we're going to intentionally just we're not going to do this we're not going to do this we're going to say no to more things we're going to communicate better with the team and just really take next year to kind of rebuild that foundation that we felt like was pretty strong call it a fortifying of the foundation yeah. fortified it's like enriched bread <laughs> <laughs> thanks rainbow <laughs> but yeah to rebuild what it felt like you know a year ago yeah. And and move forward from like a strong place. We've got all the pieces. It's really how can we fortify just picking up the pieces. Picking <laughs> always just picking, just up, picking up, up the pieces. pieces. Um I think it'd be a great time for some questions if anybody has any questions. Does anybody have any questions? Cues anybody just want to say anything? Well, I want to say thanks to the crown for having us and then bring it. Uh, so here he comes with the mic, Mr. Oh. Richard Sandlin. It has to happen. And uh, Um, I'm curious, when you share numbers with staff, like how in-depth you go and how often you do that, like in terms of sharing your own salary, things like that. Yeah, definitely. So, man, and this is probably somewhere we haven't. So we set out and we were doing it, maybe trying to do it every three months where we'd go over all the retail cafe numbers with the team. And we found it was really empowering for them to see how their actions every day translate into the numbers because, dude, I mean, that's all the numbers are, just like a – just like a compilation of like everybody's behavior every day. And so to then show that back to them and for them to get an idea of like, you know, just like little things, pastry waste, milk, coffee, uh, labor. Um, yeah, just to see rent structures and see um, what that looks like. And I feel like people love to learn, you know, what that looks like. And so, yeah, we need to do a better job. We started out pretty good, and then we... This year? Yeah, this year we haven't done as good a job with that. But but I, I think it's actually really powerful, and we want to get back to doing it. Um, but yeah, we're pretty open with sharing all the retail numbers with everyone. We talked about... Wholesale, sharing. too. We talked about our salaries on the yeah. podcast, right? Yeah. It's been a while still, it's but... Been a they're, while. Not, they're not that different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but there is something interesting about that, too. We were f we were doing those meetings, and we were forcing everybody to come, like, as a team leader or as a team meeting, and a lot of them actually weren't as interested as we expected. And so a lot of them, like, they would never tell us to our faces, but some of the people I was like, cool, I had to come in and, like, listen to numbers for an hour and a half when I'm and, like, look at spreadsheets, and I don't understand that stuff at all. So there That's was a, a little but mix of, like, we... So the team leaders still get all that stuff yeah. and all of the department heads get it. And it's still available if people ask. Uh, but we haven't sat down and like forced the entire company to look at the whole picture like we used to as much. Well, yeah. I think there's an opportunity for us. And we've talked we about doing this, it like yeah. packaging it, it in a way that's like really easy to look at. Because in the past, like he's a wizard. So you like you open up a spreadsheet and he sees shit and I just like don't even know what yeah, I'm looking at. True. So I'm like, I'm just confused. Um, but because I look at it every day and it's just, right, it's, it's like natural to you. Yeah, totally. So 
we right. could we could do a better job of packaging it to make it really easy to understand. Like, here's the bottom line of the company. Here's each individual cafe and wholesale partnership contributions. I mean, I'm still hyped on our the idea of how we want to deliver them is our at our team leader me, or our all staff meetings, which we haven't been able to do this is take all of the information and make it really packaged and easy. Print them out. It'll be a no phone meeting mm. and it'll be a fast meeting. Everything will be on the wall. So like literally printed like poster style and people can go look at them all they want. No phones. Can't take the pictures. You can talk about them. It's all available and, and call all in kind of the vein of respecting the people who want to learn about it. And then we get into what's really important. And then afterwards, it's like, hey, we have two hours of hang time. We're going to eat food. This is a dream team leader menu or uh, all staff meeting plan that we've talked about and haven't been able to bring into fruition. But being able to have everybody just set your phones down. Here's all the information you may or may not be interested in. We're around to ask questions after the little presentation of what's going on in our world. We're going to eat food. Talk to us as much or as little as you'd like and all of your leaders about this stuff. Ask any questions you want so that we can kind of respect that whole, you know, and leaving people happier than you found them. There's two things. There's helping them be better. But there's also like not forcing somebody who hates to look at stuff to sit there and look at it for two to three hours after they potentially worked all day or something of the sort. So I all that's yeah. interesting, but I still am hyped on that idea. We all agreed it would be a great idea and just haven't. And I wish people would there. share more in the industry because I think people maybe get really I feel like the payroll would be the place. I think it, it's not always benefit maybe for everyone to see everyone else's numbers would maybe be would like potentially team team yeah create i mean but we still have pay ranges where people have an idea what the pay ranges are for certain jobs so you get like a rough idea but i mean even i mean i'm okay sharing like our stuff and kind of from the top down and again like they know all the team leader ranges and everything um yeah, I wish there was more just industry-wide transparency around that. Like, like I don't know, if, like on my SCA talk, I just put up like our P&L and just like talked through what it looked like and different percentages and kind of like the business model. And I think that can be really powerful for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I answered all the questions. Does that questions. answer things? Probably more than she even asked for. <laughs> <laughs> more than you've asked for. Oh, can so. I, sorry, can I have one more? Hop, I, there was something I wanted to say and yeah. I forgot. One of the things that also encourage people is we've kind of brought this idea of how people can grow beyond just standard retail positions within the cafe. And that's the idea of like somebody could go from being a team leader to essentially opening up their own hub in like a different city. And so it's kind of always open for people so I can put Ian on the spot right here. So we did that presentation at like an all staff meeting last year where we kind of opened it up the idea of uh, somebody going off and kind of starting a hub, um, like a company owned hub in a different city where they could essentially earn equity in that hub and create, you know, I'd hope like a six figure livelihood for themselves there. And Ian, like right after the meeting came, was like, hey, can I talk to you more about this? And a few other people as well. So it's like, it's, I'm open to like sit down and we can get into kind of like, uh, more of the numbers that are going to be pertinent for them if that's like their dream and that's where they want to take it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to help facilitate that process and the numbers are going to be a really big part of that if you're kind of essentially almost going to open your own business somewhere else. Hub leader standing by. Oh. All right, quick question. Uh, how long did this idea for you guys to open up your own spot gestate between the three of you? Was it just like, screw this, we're going to go start our own thing one day? Or did it, was it years? How long do you think? Very long time. Um, 
Jared and I started working together in 2009. We had met in like 2005, 2006. Um, and when we started working together, it was it was pretty interesting. We had a connection the whole time, but for the first year and a half or so, we we kind of felt really comfortable that where we were at was the right place to be and always saw a future in that company and had the dream to where like we can do what we want to do under this umbrella and that's going to be really really awesome and that'll be great. And as time like continued to pass it became a little bit more apparent that we weren't going to be able to do that so those were kind of the like the seeds starting to plant probably like 2011 12 when we were just kind of right about yeah kicking around the real small seeds real small seeds yeah um i mean really it was right around 2013 where the seeds started getting watered by stuff that happened internally and a bunch of leadership changes that really were like we actually weren't really clear that we were gonna we were wanted to try to figure out how to start something but man we were so ill-equipped and no funding and just kind of lost for a minute oh there. fully lost i mean we would get together and talk about stuff but we were just kind of floating around in space just kind of like the future could be better if like this could happen if and it just kind of kept progressing and then we haven't talked about this but i actually feel super bad i don't know if i told <laughs> you i knew confession. i know so <laughs> confessions i knew i, I was trying to save this so i could write it down somewhere one day um <laughs> you still can we were we were kind of in the initial stages of planning something this is probably what 2014 yeah because no. that i left shortly yeah yeah and it's a big moment, guys. I just left me there. It is. I yeah. had a I had the opportunity to do something else, and I was in a really terrible mental state. And my like survival mechanism was like, I need to get out of where I am, however that happens. Like, so I basically left to start this other little company thing, and I, you know, told Jared I was like, yeah, so I'm uh, peace out. It's a real weird <laughs> night. Uh, it's a real I'm gonna weird go night. and. Then Brittany was like, yeah, Jared barfed or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough night. But I played it cool when it was there. Was you like, played yeah, it man, pretty whatever cool. Whatever you need to do, dude. But like one sure. of, well, I mean, one of my problems <laughs> for my whole life is that I'm really uncomfortable expressing my feelings up yeah. until very, very recently. So I, I like hide everything in. So like what I should have done was come talk to you and be like, hey, I'm having these conversations. Like here's an opportunity for me to leave. Like maybe let's figure out how we can do it together. Oh, um, but I didn't. <laughs> I just kind of made the call like I'm out. And could you imagine though if we would have gone and done that? Oh, it would have been terrible. Worse. I mean, we would have been out of business like like that. Oh. Um, so we like every we met Chuck along the way. Like yeah, because I was there 2013. 2013. Yeah, like he's um, cool. We hang. He's cool. So we were talking Good this times. whole time, and then I moved away. Jared moved away. Chuck stayed in Santa Cruz, and then it was honestly through that period, which was even worse than the previous period because of other external stressors and work plus some encouragement from some really good friends mm -hmm. who were like our friend julia she owns dune coffee she in santa barbara yeah. basically called us and was like you guys are idiots like you need to do this like what are you doing like what is your problem why are you so stupid um, or all because only people told us we were stupid and not good at this for so long, <laughs> except for the people who care in front of us. So then in 2015, so yeah, it's like a 
like it was breeding for that like long before years. we really decided to to do it. And I I'm like an I'm not annoyed about that in between time. Like the thing that bothers me when I think back on it was the relationship that we had with our employer at the time was dysfunctional, not because they did anything wrong, but because of what our expectation was didn't really match up with what they were doing. And I personally wish I would have moved on a little bit sooner. And then we probably could have had that same path because the time away, at least for me, was really important because I was challenged a whole mm -hmm. lot and I was stressed more than I'd ever been. Yeah. And like it brought me a lot of clarity on the kind of place that I wanted to have and the kind of person that I wanted to be. So it was important, mm -hmm. but it could have started a couple of years earlier. I think it all happened the right way. It's just one of those things. He's so where positive. Always <laughs> it, well, <laughs> it did happen the right way because all of the rest of the stuff wouldn't happen if you didn't go get crazy. So. <laughs> it's kind of all that's true. It's like, all tied together. Yeah, because if you didn't go get crazy, who would have known how weird that would have gotten? The other thing that I will throw in there that I, I think is true, but I was kind of using it as an excuse for when like we were having our little meetings, and I was like, "Peace out, motherfuckers." Um, Marble coffee will never be. We weren't really actually getting anywhere, we that, we, getting anywhere. that we needed to go. Like, we didn't even and, have a path. And like I recognize that, but I didn't talk to you about it, and yeah. that was bad. And Charles was kind of this like wild card glue that kind of came in because we didn't start talking about this until after he was just yeah. a he was like a nice guy that we worked with. We're Encouraging like, oh, though, Charles is dope. Like, yeah, that's sick. And, like, had no idea that there was some other guy who was trying to do some stuff too. Yeah, but right. through our progression, you Charles gave a lot of conversations to us and with us that were like, oh, this guy's thinking how we're thinking too, and we're all on the same page yeah. with where we would like to go, and he sees. A lot of what we see and his perspective was really outside in because we were really close to it. Yeah, for sure. So you had like a better helicopter view of the whole scene and you could still see what we believed, but you could actually see a path for it where we were like, I don't even know how to make this work. Yeah, which I think is important when you're like kicking around the ideas of doing something like that, just to find, try to search out like who has the same idea, but could be like complementary to the skills you have because it just kind of happened that we fit like puzzle pieces we together good, yeah. pretty well. And Agreed. I've seen definitely businesses where partners, it's hard. It's like a, it's like a marriage, right? And it's, you really have to put the time in and, and fit well together. It's like um, a three-way marriage. <laughs> I'll let you guys take like that down the <laughs> whatever track you I'm want. I'm good, man. <laughs> take good. that too. It's like a swingers marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is, it really is like a marriage and there's commitment and there's working through all the issues. There's communication. And so just, really getting to know the people as well as you can because i mean that's part of we don't need to go down the san luis obispo rabbit hole but right that's part of yeah like having a good idea of the character of the people that you're going into business with yeah yeah i mean at that point i probably would have gone into business with anybody honestly it <laughs> yeah. was like you know i was yeah, in like, so much pain out. i was like i'm in so much pain <laughs> yeah. um that's why i say if i would have left earlier i wouldn't have gotten to that pain point mm. of just like really i'll fucking do anything <laughs> One cheeseburger. Chris owns gas station. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> uh, great question. It's a good question. Yeah. Any other question? Two questions. Parker in the house. Yeah. So I uh, I have a question about culture for you guys. Uh, it seems like you set out to um, cultivate a particular culture in your company. Uh, are there any examples of culture coming from the bottom up, and you know, good or bad, and how have you? 
manage those oh, instances? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, there's both good. Oh man, there's been a lot of good culture from the bottom up, but I think that maybe is more obvious if you look at our company. I'd say the things that we've had to manage are the really influential people who have been misfits that we have taken chances on and we have not batted a thousand there. We've taken some chances where we mm -hmm. knew in the interview process, we really like you, we wanna work with you. Here's a wild card X factor that is kinda like, there's smoke, are we gonna have fire? It's just some smoke though, so it's chill. And we've ignored that a handful of times, probably what, three, three four, yeah. Three, yeah. three big time ones. And seeing the negative impact from these people who are amazing people on the culture of the company is really gnarly. The difference between what your company can be and that one person that everybody likes who's just leading it off path, if you don't check that in terms of coaching and then if you just if you let that progress, you'll have a lot of people who are in love with somebody that works for your company, you know, figuratively, that is gonna go away and it's gonna breed a lot of problems in that process. It bred less than we expected, but at the same time, it, it becomes a dramatic energy suck. And so we've had two or three of those, and those are, those are the hardest. So the things that we've gotten better at, although in the context of rushing, worse at, yeah. is bringing on the right people. So we bring, you know, then so never rush. We've forced ourselves into rushing, which is a big part of this podcast. Uh, the other side of it is those really hold your line. Like it's probably better for the long haul to work a little harder yourself and to find the right people than to put a bunch of people in that you're going to end up like putting out and then you spent all that energy trying to bring them up forcing a square through a circle uh, so that's my advice to that but it is easier to do when your back is against the wall <laughs> and that is part of maturing in business is saying yeah this is going to be hard and it's going to be harder to longer I thought you were the one but you're not the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think examples of positive culture from the bottom up, it, it's really tricky because in the beginning, we, we, kind of, we kind of thought about that as, oh, positive culture from the bottom up means people get to do what they want and they're going to be like doing whatever. And that's not really what it means. Um, right. We have a strong sense of the culture that we want to build. And I see culture from the bottom up as it's just giving people space to explore freely within the bounds of the culture that you that you set up yeah you're you're an example where you kind of saw a need or or a hole and it's like hey i want to talk about this thing um i think we should activate more in these areas this this and that and i'm gonna be the one to do it and this is how it would benefit the business and then we have a decision to make or just seeing um really obvious things like like bell with the toast mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite examples of culture like like every other fucking coffee shop, we s sell avocado toast, you know, and like our avocado toast was good, but it was it was really basic. So one of our employees, Bell, who was a newer employee at the time, said, hey, we could be doing way better on this. I know it'd be a positive impact to the business. Uh, will you allow me a space to do like a, a toast testing? Sure, for sure. And she took it to the nine, set up this whole thing and presented us like, three really beautiful options for toasts that are not only delicious, but super, super sexy. They're like really good looking. She had like a layout, like here's all the ingredients in little bowls so you can see where everything comes from. 
and and it was awesome. It like displayed that she understood something that was valuable to our business and could up the game. And she felt that freedom, even as a newer employee, to go out on a limb because you're really putting yourself out there. Like we could easily be like, yeah, no, we we're not interested in that right now. Like doesn't doesn't seem to be good. And sometimes we will have to say no, but just allowing that space to where you feel comfortable exploring a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Good question. I think there was one more, maybe. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from each of you if you could speak to what you thought was the biggest challenge that you faced when you were starting and maybe how that has or has not changed to where you are now trying to like keep an established business going and still headed in the right direction. And not to answer it for you, but just from listening to you talk, I would think that one of those would be finding the time to, to carry out and make all the things happen that you want to happen. It's like an end of Survivor. Like you're gonna ask all three of us to answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, question. I can start for me. At the beginning, I have a pretty personal vision that's shared, but I've had like a really passionate connection to a vision of how I can see the future, and it's not always perfectly clear. And the way I communicate leaves a lot of that up to interpretation a lot of the time. And while I can tell somebody exactly how it feels and how the people look and what we're doing and all the benefits of it, and I can even, as we go through it, see how to do it, to be able to feel confident coming off of a whole life. So I, I have like ADD and the ability to communicate is funky and I obviously am eccentric. Maybe I'm not as obviously eccentric up here as I am in real life, but I have a lot of ideas. A lot of them would be great and a lot of them can't be done right now. And so part of it for me was coming from a place where I would share a lot of ideas with people and the people that I really trusted and cared about and I believe could help make the things happen with 100% certainty that we could do them. And they would be like, I don't even get it. You don't make, they would just basically make me feel like I was an idiot and that I was just like this crazy dreamer who was just like irrational and totally lame essentially and they and i just feel like okay cool so i guess maybe i'm just and now i get to lead people to this and i believe in it now but historically i've been made to feel like nobody's going to really trust that i can get us where i believe we can go and while it's a we that was like for me besides the fact of like it was a pretty hard run between leaving the job i had chris and i both went to places we were poorer than we've ever been in our lives and had really hard runs but i mean we booked an extended vacation, which really was just being homeless for like six months. And I was on legitimate welfare and doing food stamps. And so like that is probably a lot more troubling for me than like I've let on. It is 100% way harder for me. But like when you believe in something, it's kind of the cool beauty of it is on the other side of it. I do see this thing going in the direction where it's not even close to what it can be. It was super hard. All that was really hard. You know, sitting in our first orientation, I was like, somebody's got to record this because I can't even stand up to tell people. I'm like so nervous that I can't stand. But I have to talk about this stuff because I know it's real and it's going to work and it's a better world. So that for me was like, and still is pretty gnarly. But it's a lot easier to do now because I, I really, I, I'm more confident now and there's people who believe in me around me who are like, no, I, you're not crazy. And I'm like, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so that's mine. Uh, hardest part for me is probably working, working with other people. It's super hard for me. I'm, 
Jared's such a pain in the ass every day. Yeah, baby. I, I'm I'm super particular. I like things a certain way, and I don't like to put my stamp on things unless it is like a perfect expression of what I see in my head. And there's a there's a couple of things that I've kind of run up against in in the context of opening this business, and one of them is realizing one that, that this is not my business. Like this is our business, um, and we share a common goal, but that doesn't mean I'm personally going to get everything that I want. And the expectation in my head is not necessarily what's going to be lived in real life because everything is a compromise. And that is, is really, really, really tough for me. And as I, I talked about a little bit earlier, it's sometimes hard for me to share things. That's not like my default personality. So I have the tendency to not speak up when I should speak up and let things drift in a direction that they maybe shouldn't go. And then I become more unhappy and more unhappy and more unhappy. And the only person I have to blame for that is myself. When in reality, if I could engage a little bit more, be a little bit more forthcoming, um, we can have more of those conversations and I'll end up in a better place. That's, that's been really, really hard for me. Um, and then the other part is when when you have something that you care about a lot, being okay with admitting that that thing isn't what you are. Like each one of us up here is more than the owner of Cat and Cloud. But because you put so much work and blood, sweat, and tears into it, it, it becomes such a part of your identity that it's easy to confuse that for what you are. And that makes those things even harder for me. And I'm more recently coming out um, and on that other side and just trying to rediscover some of the things that like had always made me happy that don't have anything to do with the business. And that's been really, really healthy for me, but it's really hard because like how Jared said earlier, when he takes vacation, he feels bad for being gone. And when he comes back, he feels like he's out of the loop. And I feel some of that same guilt for exploring these other things because we, act, we ask a lot from our people um it's not super easy to work there even though it's really really fun i think you guys tell me i don't know um so uh, that that's probably been the biggest struggle for me yeah for me man i think about a number of different things i mean you can always say like the easy answer is just like yeah money money's always hard whether you're just starting and and getting money or whether you want to grow and what things you want to provide for people it's always hard it's always a conversation but I think besides that answer, like more personally, the thing that I have trouble with is I try to do too much. I always try to like I, right now I do too much. I take on I like the CFO. I do all the finances and the business stuff. I'm in charge of like opening stores. I do a green coffee stuff. And it's just it's there's so much we all do a lot, but I'll just keep saying yes to stuff and keep taking things on. And I always have and um, do it. It'll sound like, however it'll sound, but it's like when I left Verve, they hired three people to replace me. And it's like, you shouldn't, I shouldn't put myself in a position where that is what happens after you leave. And I shouldn't put myself in that position here. And so I think it's something that I'm trying to work on over time because it's healthier just for me and healthier for my family to not feel and it's really deeply embedded so I don't know how I kind of work through that but it's like that's I'll find like dude it's just every once in a while I'll find a day where I just like can't get out of like I just like cool I have to stay home today because I'm just like 
physically and mentally exhausted and I can't interact with anyone today. And if I did go into work, like everybody would bear the brunt of that. And so it's just like a day here or there where I just like can't do anything. I just have to stay at home and like just recharge for like the future. And yeah, so that that's one thing. And then along with that, having like a really, I don't know, I'll say like I'm subtly dominant where things have to happen my way. <laughs> subtly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And um, yeah, so just again, opening that up to have, to feel better about things and not feeling like it has to be my way is something I need to work. It's like a challenge as well. Just more personal challenge, I guess. That's right on. <laughs> is this a good place to... A great uh, place for empanadas, to, I feel like. To do a little break break? Try the spinach. It's been like you need to walk around. Hey, everyone, how about a round of applause for Cat and Cloud? Thank you. Who are you? Wow. Someone has told them, no, 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 fuck you, no.